Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Wheeler, Adweek's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year. What is the creator economy and why should you care? And what is this metaverse thingy we've all been hearing about? Do the two play nicely together or is one on the outside looking in? Today, we're going to meet someone who knows the answers to all your burning metaverse questions. Becky Owen heads up creator marketing and innovation solutions at the recently renamed Meta. This means she works with Facebook, Instagram and the company's latest AR and VR products. Her mission is to work with brands, talent and agencies to create innovative and effective brand solutions. More recently, she's been exploring the rise of non-human virtual influencers and what they mean for the future. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batozzi. everyone. Welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Emma Harmon, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Marco Patozzi, Jamie Goodfriend or Ashley Rudder will be hosting this podcast. Coming up, we're getting right into this episode with our big interview with Becky Owen from Meta. Just a reminder that Everything is Better with Creators is brought to you by Whaler. The Whaler Way combines tech, talent, and creative social strategy to match brands with creators to produce authentic content that people really want to see. Whaler is democratizing the creative process for brands and creators by empowering a global talent network of thousands of influencers, tastemakers, creatives, and storytellers to connect you to your target audience, making advertising more inclusive, diverse, and effective. Check out more at Whaler. That's W-H-A-L-A-R dot com. And now it's time to bring up the headliner. The Big Interview. Everything is better with creators. Welcome, Becky Owen, to our uh, Everything is Better with Creators podcast. It's so lovely to see you. Thank you. 
We're going to jump straight in, Becky. And, um, you know, you're, you're an influencer top 50, a top 29 global digital trailblazer, expert creator marketing specialist at Meta. Tell us a bit more about your role. I know it recently changed. Um, tell us a bit more about how that role was created and what compelled you to jump into this. That's a great introduction. <laughs> a little embarrassing, I don't know, but thank you so much. So my role has changed, I'd say specifically, it started to change about two years ago. And then with the announcement of Facebook becoming meta, it changed a little little bit more. Because what really we realized is, you know, we're spending a lot of time looking at creator marketing and evolving it for today, and the products that are coming out and helping clients be a bit more sophisticated with the work. But as soon as we started thinking about the metaverse, it opened up a whole new avenue of, well, what's creator marketing going to look like in the metaverse and what evolution are we going to see? So I added that level into my role, which is just asking really difficult questions. Um, But I will say my role's never been more exciting since that happened because we get to cast ideas around and hopefully because I get to work at Meta, shape a little bit of the future of this industry. That's great, Becky. Would you say your role is quite consulting focused or are there teams of people now at Meta that are really trying to help and enable brands to work with both creators, but also help them enter the metaverse? How's that working your side? So it's everything, which sometimes is a little stressful. So I consult for sure across the region when brands just want to know what the latest thing is or we just want to workshop top line with them. But when we see a real opportunity to drive innovation um, and create case studies that illustrate to the industry what we think is the best right now or potentially the best in the future, that's when we actually produce work. And that's when we rely on partners like Wayla to execute that. But we will run that all in-house, support our clients from start to finish, almost like a white glove service. My team's very small. So we can't do it for every single person. But when we're really excited about the partnership and the learning, then we can do it. That's great to hear because creators are always the lifeblood of any platform. And I think one of the biggest challenges is actually helping brands get better acquainted with the benefits of working with creators and this incredible intimacy they can provide with their audience. If you're, uh, you know, I'm sure, Becky, you've been in many rooms with clients if you're sitting with a sort of senior brand executive, someone that's not necessarily so positive about the creator space, they might be spending lots of their marketing budget in other places. What do you do to help give clients that sense of courage? What do you say to motivate clients to start thinking about working with creators or actually thinking about the metaverse as well as we look to the future. Is there a sort of way of thinking that you encourage your clients to really get behind? Absolutely. I think probably what I do first is I try and judge the person I'm in the room with. Are they a numbers person? Are they a creative person? Are they someone that wants to future-proof their business? So once I understand what the key is around that conversation... I'll go one of three ways. So if they're a number person, which I have all the time, because a lot of you know CEOs don't really like engagement rate as the sole metric of success, we'll talk about much more a substantial business impact around the campaign. So we'll try and show how can this work with creators, be transparent in terms of ROI or conversion lift. 
So they really feel a sense of security around that marketing money, going somewhere that's going to drive the biggest impact. If they're creatively led, then we open up the fact that creators are leading platform first creativity. They're doing it better than all of us. They're doing it better than me in my job. They're doing it better than the you know people that are creative by nature. They are living and breathing our platform and they know how to lead the way. And then if they're future, you know, trying to future proof their brand, there's kind of still a lot of first mover advantage going on where brands that move quickly can get headlines quick, can be seen as really innovative. So if they want to be in that space, I kind of like to talk about that angle as well. So there's a few different ways that we do it, but it really depends on the individual we're speaking to and what their goals are. Why do you think that now is such a special time for creators and, and the creator economy generally? Obviously, we're, we're post-pandemic. We did see a massive uptick in people engaging with creators. I think that people crave that human-to-human -human connection. It feels like a, a really positive time for the creator space generally. Why do you think it's now? Why do you think that this is the time that brands do need to think about how do we strategically do this and how do we do it in a bigger and better way than we've ever done it before? I think brands have realised that it's not this thing in the corner that's like a nice add-on to a campaign. As, as the whole industry has matured and the level of creativity coming from these individuals has increased so much, like the it's like we just did a campaign where the stuff went on TV. We did that with you. Um, now that they're realising that these creators are expert in what they can do and can produce stuff that no one else can do. They're starting to become more and more centralized in brand strategy. And the more centralized they become, the more kind of a hot topic they become. Then we start to see the marketing dollars flow into that. And it's almost like a cyclical nature, right? It's, I would say, do you, does a brand belong in culture if it's not doing creator marketing? And we've seen that brands then forged and made and launched just because of a really strong creator marketing campaign. So I'd say it's twofold in that respect. They're starting to centralize them. The creativity is becoming even greater that they can rely on them. And they have to be connected to culture. And there's, it's quite difficult to do that if you're a big brand. So this idea that, you know, when we think about ROI and creators, of course, there's all the, the social metrics, but actually that content production piece for paid I do think is going to be an ever increasing part of when creators are leveraged. And it's that more culturally nuanced type of creator creators that then are more relevant to that local market is interesting. And on, on the cultural piece as well, it's um, so many brands want to show up, you know, naturally and organically and authentically in moments, in social moments. And I think creators are really a fantastic gateway for that, aren't they? They're, they're like these kind of cultural diplomats we've been calling them at Whaler. I think so. They, I like to say like a Trojan horse. It allows the brand to feel more human because it's very difficult for brands to build empathy uh, with consumers or to appear very human or deeply rooted in culture. And so strategic partnerships with creators and makers allow them to do that. Um, so I like, um, I like how you framed that. But yeah, in order for a brand to have that, deep emotional connection and meaning with an audience we're seeing that they have to go through these partnerships with creators that allow them that relationship with individuals do you see becky many of the brands that that are coming to you that they're, they're saying things like we want a social first approach we want a community first approach 
because it feels like the way marketing shifting is that it once was, you know, it was that big broadcast idea that then filtered down to something that sort of was activated in social. Are you seeing many partners really trying to do things differently and build their brands starting with social and starting with creators? Are you seeing much of that happening from your viewpoint? I'm seeing disruptor brands do that because it seems to be the easiest and fastest way to launch. I would love to see more brands think community first. I still think a lot of brands work with creators from a kind of um, creative output point of view. And I sometimes feel like they miss the role of community that they can bring into that. Because I was speaking to a talent actually earlier today, and she's saying that her community are actually the exec producers on her content because she has this symbiotic feedback with them. And they tell her what they're looking for. And I asked her, does the brand recognize that? And is the brand ever involved in those conversations? And she said, no, they're kind of so focused on the asset that I produce and the usage of the asset that they actually often miss that further step. So yes, social first is coming, specifically with disruptive brands. But I would love to see brands be a little bit more focused on that community first angle and then actually work back to the creator, work back to the creative. Yeah, this idea that you could almost use creators as as a focus group. You can always brainstorm with them, have them be part of the ideation rather than just the activational side of things. That does that does seem to be where things are headed, actually. We've seen more brands embracing that and using that. And I suppose it really just depends on where a brand is in their journey, what they're trying to do, which which way they start. But um, I think the community piece is interesting because we're seeing so many incredible communities pop up across all the social platforms, um, you know, and they've becoming movements in themselves. They, they exist both online and offline in, in physical worlds and in digital worlds. And actually, that's uh, brands need to find a way into these communities, don't they? But they also need to add some value back into those communities. I think that's an important way of thinking when you're thinking about that community. You can't just go in there and interrupt. You've got to actually add some value, which is actually quite an interesting way of us thinking about the metaverse as well, right? Yes, I was about to say that. You know, one of the things that I've seen repeated in the metaverse is thinking kind of execution first. And then, you know, almost if we build it, they will come mentality. But actually, you need to flip it around and see how does this have any benefit to any community? Um, And I I am seeing brands skip that piece as well. But we know that the metaverse for sure is a place for community to gather and express themselves. So I always, you know, always the last kind of six months, they think community first, then execution second. That's true. That's really true. And do you feel, um, Becky, if you were... You know, let's talk a little bit about metaverse because there is a sort of symbiotic relationship, isn't there, between creators and the metaverse and this kind of space generally. How would you describe that? How do you think about that relationship between creators and the metaverse? So we say that the metaverse will be made by these individuals. It's not going to be made by big organisations. I know I work for Meta that's talking about the metaverse. We're building technology that will enable, hopefully, the metaverse to come to fruition. But the individuals that are really shaping it are futurists on the fringe of creativity. And I meet a lot of them and I talk to them and they are working out how to build, how to express the type of technology that we need and the way to make it, you know, how do we make this meaningful so we actually want to spend time there. And Mark says this all the time, it's going to be made by these individuals, which is a really exciting trend for people like us, Emma, because it's centralizing these 
these independent content makers even more in brand conversations and in community and society. It's so true. And it's it's so great to see it going in this direction. I feel like brands that are really starting to pay attention to this now also are starting to think about embedding teams internally to really help sort of fuel this thinking about what their version of their brand looks like in the metaverse or how they tap into creators. What 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 are the new skill sets of brands, Becky? Like if you're thinking about doing this type of marketing and you're future proofing your business, what type of skill sets do you need internally to really power this thing? And what sorts of partners should you be thinking about working with and collaborating with? So it's really hard, isn't it? Because we launched the metaverse, but it's about five to 10 years away from being something that we can truly realize and get our heads around. I would say to make things tangible today, definitely people that understand augmented reality, because we say that's a building block for the metaverse, because you can start to see blended reality, you can start to understand how your brand can express specifically the rear camera. And once you start playing in augmented reality, you start to recognize the other elements that will be vital in the metaverse. So, for example, we speak about the role of spatial audio and how sound is going to be a really crucial sense for immersion. The metaverse is all, all about helping us feel like we're sharing the same space as individuals, even if they're a million miles away. So people that understand augmented reality and then can start to ladder into, OK, well, what are these senses like sonic branding? And how is my brand going to express sonically in the metaverse? That's super crucial. I also think there's not many experts in this space, like true experts. So getting connections with these VR makers that are out there and bringing them in-house, even as consultants, that's probably really vital. The more I speak to them, the more I realize my initial perception was incorrect because they call themselves, some of them call themselves architects. And they're basically architects that don't have to follow the laws of gravity. And they can build these crazy and expressive places that, you know, are all around stimulating an emotion. And when I've seen a lot of brands to date and the bravest brands, and I applaud them for stepping into this space and just trying, but what they're doing almost digital dupes, like this is how we do it in the metaverse. But they haven't thought about crazy expression of their brand that can build something brand new that can't exist in the real world so I really encourage brands to consult with these fringe makers so that you can like start to open your mind and exercise like new skills that you'll need. Actually I'd love just to dig into that a little bit more because we're talking to some clients at the moment and we're always trying to think okay so help clients think in a more long-term way about their brand building. So things can be very short-term thinking these days, but actually if you think, right, where do you want to get to in five years? Where do you want to be? And this, of course, is something, this is a big question for brands is, is, you know, if Metaverse is going to be the future of our community, of where our customers are going to be and where they want to hang out and be together, what do we need to do to make sure that we're facilitating that? Where do brands really start with that, Becky? Should they come to a meta and talk to you guys about, you know, the platforms you're developing that support the development of these metaverses? Should they be talking to, as you say, independent agencies? If they want to future-proof their business and even think about what's going to be the their community in a few years, where do they start? Is it, is it, are you guys, is it best place to have a conversation with you guys? Is that something that you're kind of open for business for with brands? Absolutely. So if a brand is a managed partner, 
they have access for um, access to the smart people that are smarter than me um, that are shaping um, thought leadership and concepts and ideas around that. They've, we've also worked with them to with some brands to already start to build their expression in the metaverse and start to dig into this. So if you are a managed partner, you should definitely reach out to um, your rep at Meta and see if you can get a deep dive into this because we're all about exploring and kind of prototyping at the moment. I wouldn't say we have all the answers, but the best way to do this is just to start. And then, you know, it's the same as my answers, just find out who these people are. And, you know, the other thing I actually think is interesting, Emma, when we had our lunch last week and we're talking about the metaverse and everyone's super keen and excited, and I said, how many people have a headset to explore VR? And of a room, I don't know, it's 40 people, two people did. And I find that very interesting because they're all like, we want to know, how do we future-proof ourselves? Get in the metaverse yourself and start to track your own reaction to it. Like measure what you think is fun and engaging and rewarding and measure what you think is dry and clinical because you have to understand what you like in order to build things for other people to like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. That's so true. And one of the questions we had at our lunch, Becky, was, I'm a food and drink brand. How should I be thinking about the metaverse? And yeah, could you could you respond to that again, Becky? Because I think for some people listening, that could be a really useful way to think especially for a food and drink brand and actually every vertical is quite different but yeah perhaps you could answer that again for me yeah so I think it's really interesting that food and drink feel like they can't quite express themselves there because like oh god we're such an IRL in real life product but I just completed some research around the CPV category in augmented reality and there is a huge there's a deep connection in the brain between the sound food makes and our perception of taste and our perception of enjoyment around that. And it's actually probably one of those potent senses you have. So if I were a food and drink brand, I would be like, this is mine to own because the sound of a bottle opening or a crunch of a crisp or the opening of a packet makes almost like a a, a Pavlovian response, but also because of how the brain is wired, you can really kind of trick the brain into feeling like the presence of a product or the enjoyment of a product, even if you can't taste. I mean, it's kind of like the step before smell-o-vision. I don't know what that would be called in the metaverse. But there's tons of research around that. And for me, that's 
deeply exciting for a food and drink brand. I really agree. I mean, years ago, you had the um, M&S ads, <laughs> which always were so mm. snodgious food. It's M&S food. And they had these amazing visuals, videos of all the food they had. And it was, it was just, I always thought that's the best food advertising. Just make the food look good. Keep it simple because it's so mouthwatering. So I completely see that. And it's actually when I've been looking at different metaverses and playing myself on different platforms like Decentraland, Roblox, I've seen a lot of interesting stuff in the fashion space. It seems like luxury fashion is has re- is has been you know really on the front foot of this. Whether it's building stores with different brochures or different you know catwalks, or they've really embraced it, haven't they? The luxury sector seems like it's quite it's quite you know moved moved leaned into this quite quickly. Would you say? Absolutely, and it's interesting that luxury fashion they always are on the kind of innovation angle and the bravest. Uh, which I always think is interesting because they also protect their brands so much. But I followed, they did their first ever um, like fashion week in Decentraland. I think Dolce & Gabbana turned up, Tommy um, Hilfiger turned up. They had Grimes there doing a DJ set who had like a custom like cat suit. So they really are um, innovating and pushing it forward. And what I have to champion um, all of these brands that did it is it wasn't perfect but no one expected it to be perfect. And it kind of gave us a benchmark of, okay, this is how fashion can be because there's still you know, rendering issues and how do you really get the detail of an item in something like Decentraland that like communities and communities of people can come to. But I think with everything actually, Metaverse, even virtual influencers, the Lux brands are kind of the indicator and NFTs as well. They're the indicators of what's coming and what to think about like so I always read business and fashion just to keep up to date with technology which is quite interesting yeah they they do I mean and actually we've seen some of those fashion brands that have I think have almost really come awake again from embracing some of this it's that really they they needed to reconnect again with a younger audience and I think this is really helping them do that in a really creative way and uh, I, I know our chairman often says, um, especially in relation to fashion brands and, and luxury brands, you know, if, if they're thinking, oh, should we, shouldn't we go on TikTok or should we go on do Meta? It's actually just about having confidence, isn't it? It's about actually just coming up with something and having that confidence to really go for it and really back yourself. I mean, when I first saw um, the Bart Simpson collaboration was, was with Balenciaga, wasn't it? I was like, what's that all about? actually it was such a huge cultural moment and had such huge success for them as well yeah and I think it makes sense when you go back to what who are the people at Lux Fashion Brands it's deeply creative inspirational people so it makes total sense because they only hire the most kind of wonderful and wild brains so it's like you say they've been unleashed to think not just in okay this is a clothes like a piece of like clothing that will look good on a runway they've been given this latitude now to express their creativity in all these different avenues. And it's, it's so fascinating. I love watching it. It really rewards me. Um, and then I think beauty is probably the, the next one that's following close behind. But it's what's interesting is it's all the brands that are around self-expression. And everyone talks about the metaverse being a place where you will be able to uniquely express different areas of your identity and your personality in almost like a truer form than you can do in real life. So you'll have a work you, you'll have an entertainment you, you might have a friends you, and all the brands that are you know, getting a foothold in that are the brands that are going to facilitate a range of self-expression for the individual. And I love that because 
things have to become more inclusive. It's funny, we, um, I know we announced this uh, at Adweek, Becky, our acquisition of a fantastic award-winning sort of disabled-led uh, talent agency called Sea Talent, which is amazing. And I'm so proud of what we've done at Whaler. And I, I think it's going to be an incredible business for us to be working with and changing the way that we make content so much more accessible for people. But the, the reality is, is it feels so late, doesn't it, that it, this come in some ways, like when you think about this idea of representation, it's a shame that that is, it's almost taken so long for it to come. And um, sometimes I think, wow, we're doing so much, but actually it's been very slow. Um, I think the metaverse and the inclusive ways that we can build that going forward, I think that there's some real opportunity there from that perspective. I totally agree. And, you know, I'm so grateful for what Whaler are doing in this space um, by this kind of partnership and the fact that you're, I know that by doing this, you're putting a stake in the ground and setting a new standard for how creator marketing should happen. And it's also, you've gone internally at Whaler to really challenge yourself. So you're living and breathing this new standard of accessibility. And so I'm so excited by what you guys are doing there. And I think what we have with the metaverse is we've got a chance to build something fresh, brand new from the beginning with DEI, accessibility, diversity at the, the heart. And I think creators are the key to that. Bringing in diverse voices and listening to them first and foremost is what's going to shape it to be a place where everyone feels truly represented. So if done right, we'll create a really great and inclusive place. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. So I love that, Becky, when you're thinking, when we're thinking about inclusion and really some of the opportunities for building the metaverse in the right way. As you know, last week at Adweek, we announced our acquisition of an amazing award-winning uh, disabled-led talent agency who represents some amazing talent. And we're so excited to work with this business to really think about how we make sure that all of our campaign work content captions casting everything is done with the lens of accessibility and you know we think that this is the right thing to do but sometimes I look back and I think wow this is it's happening but it's almost happening so late I mean it, it it's moving forward but I, I regret actually that actually some of these things have taken a long time and why are we only now talking about better representation um but the reality is, I think that it's this is an opportunity and particularly the metaverse could be such a unique opportunity for us to really make this the most inclusive space possible. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And first off, I just I really have to, you know, I love this acquisition of Sea Talent. Um, I love that these two amazing businesses are merging and I love that it's setting like a new standard because you are you are right. It, it does feel really late when you look about it, look at it in the cold, hard daylight. But Waylar doing this is saying, hey, this is how the industry needs to look at uh, creator marketing. And I know that in order for you to do this acquisition, you also had to look internally and really think about how you are operating. So it's not just a vanity acquisition. You've also changed your DNA to make sure you're living and breathing the mission of this. And so I'm so excited for what that will do and indicate for the rest of the industry. And when we think about the metaverse, absolutely, we're able to build something brand new from the start. And we're able to do it right. So we're able to do it with DEI, inclusivity, accessibility. And this is why I think it's important that creators and makers are leading the way um, with how we design the metaverse. Because 
we know that creators, they build community, they represent community, they are insight groups into the rich tapestry of everyone. So bringing them in, brands bringing them in and designing for diversity and inclusivity first means that the metaverse hopefully will be a place where everyone feels represented. So it's almost like a second chance in a way to really do things right. Definitely. And I think one of the other questions we had at Adweek was how do we do this? Who are you consulting with? Who are you going to be working with? How do we make this a safe space for people and a positive space for people or spaces? Um, and what, what do you say to that, Becky? Because I know you guys internally have been working with various bodies and organisations to really, as you say, build this right from scratch. Do you have any additional, do you have any thoughts on that or ideas around that? Well, the main thing that we're working on is seeking external counsel. So we're working with a ton of regulatory bodies that, you know, challenge us back. Um, it's all around, you know, all of these emerging technologies, they don't come with a playbook. So that makes it difficult because you're not like given a set of instructions of how to do it. What we've learned is it's all around bringing people that can challenge us and help us ask the right questions and continue to ask the right questions as we shape it. So an example is a piece of work that I just did around virtual influencers, where I consulted with a professor of ethics, a professor of philosophy, someone in responsible artificial intelligence design, who are external experts that could bring what they do into Meta. So when we develop this point of view of how we think we should operate, you know, we're more likely to you know, be designing in the best way possible. And I think for brands that are nervous about this space, it is about consulting the experts that you know, help you learn what are the right questions to ask so you can design people first. The virtual influence piece you've mentioned is interesting because many people ask, okay, so what would be the point of a virtual influence? And what, why would we need that? And, you know, in, and if we were to have that, who manages it? Who, where does the editorial come from? Where does the voice come from? What could you respond to that a bit? Like, can you help sim- simplify that a little bit for us? What what uses of virtual influencers have you seen, and who are the people behind the virtual influencers? Can you can you shed some light on that for us a bit? For sure. I mean, it's such a complex topic. When I first started looking at it, I was like, "This is easy. I understand it." And then every time I look at it, it's kind of grown and blossomed. So. There's probably two ways that virtual influencers exist. There are more, but we won't go into that. Um, There's brand-owned and creator-owned. So creator-owned, there's about 200-plus on Instagram at the moment. And these are owned by individuals or some are owned by small production houses that have created a fictional character that tells a story. Some are aliens, some are photorealistic, but they are a fictional um, character that lives his life through Instagram. And we get to understand what they're about uh, through the kind of captions and content they put on their page. Then on the flip side, you do have brand owned virtual influencers. So LVMH recently came out to speak about um, a VI that they've launched. And I think, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions, like you said, like, what's the value? Why would we have a VI when we could have a real person? Brands are interested in this space right now because it is a first mover advantage. You know, they're getting headlines, they get to connect to innovation, um, they get to, you know, not be limited by creativity, so they can build anything. So the LVMH VI, I saw an image and have a whole body was tattooed in the logo of Louis Vuitton. So creatively, it's like this blank space. 
Um, but there are watch outs that we are telling brands to be aware of. And I think it's that brands have to be clear to their community why they've chosen a virtual influencer, specifically over and above a real influencer. How does it help community and not take jobs away from community um, as opposed to, you know, just rushing and doing this just because you can. So there are ways to do it really well. There's a recently, um, there's been a virtual influencer that's been released called Cami, who was the first virtual influencer with Down syndrome. Um, we consulted on this about like, how can you do this correctly so that it supports the community and is uniquely rooted in that. And what they did is they wanted, they felt that people with Down syndrome were not accurately represented online. Um, and there's a lot of stereotypes. So they worked with 200 individuals with Down syndrome, built this virtual influencer. This virtual influencer's job is to represent, give jobs back to um, the real community, support the real community through you know, a unique and engaging way. So there are ways that it can actually do amazing things. But you know, when we look at this example, you have to think really hard about it. And when I've seen it go wrong, it's most likely when someone's rushed into it and said, I just want to do this, this is fun. And then the community comes back and says, actually, I find this upsetting or I don't get it. It doesn't really resonate with me. That's all super interesting, Becky. And uh, thank you so much again for your insight and way of explaining some of this. I think, as you say, we're just scratching the surface. We're on a journey. And I think it opens up so many opportunities for really interesting creative work and creative ideas so yeah we can't thank you enough thank thanks again Becky for everything and we'll see you next time no thank you I mean I always love my ability to chat with you I love the fact that Wayla are already thinking about this space and have already recognized that there is a key role creative marketing can have because I do think there's some businesses that see them as separate I see the convergence happening and so businesses like yours, like getting ready to help brands go through that transition is super exciting and hopefully we can keep working together on it. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to just subscribe to or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and a review if you get the opportunity. And special thanks to Becky Owen for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of talent network, brand partnership, technology and creativity at whaler.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I'm Emma Harmon. We'll catch you next time. with creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com. Whaler, at week's 2022 Creator Agency of the Year. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or
or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.